0: Hello and welcome to the G2 Podcast. So just in case you're wondering what's going on today, um, in small groups this week, Holly did a brilliant uh, study guiding us through Matthew 15 and Jesus' encounter with the Canaanite woman. If you haven't seen that, go home now, watch that, and then come back in a bit. Stay there, Jason. Um, but so, if you haven't seen that, I seriously encourage you to look at that. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, and today what we're doing is we're looking at the background. Why was there this division between Jew and Canaanite and what was going on there? Now, to do that, we're going to focus on one passage. Well, we're not. We're going to focus on two because um, I'm a bit greedy. But uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 2 uh, verses 11 to 17. Now, let me read that for you and then we'll dive in. I think this is on the screen as well, please. Oh, it already is. Lovely. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. So I hope you're comfortable. I'm now going to begin on a word by word exegesis of this. And I think we will finish by about 4 p.m. tomorrow. Is that okay with everybody? Oh, okay. We're on board. Right. (laughs) Strapping. Let's go. Um, Now, rivalries. It's. Interesting, when we look across society, there are so many rivalries. Yorkshire and Lancashire, the White Rose and the Red Rose? Yeah, we all know which one is the best, obviously. Um, Liverpool and Everton, every time they play together, the whole of the city of Liverpool is on fire, pretty much. That's not got the connotations I intended, but there we go. And then finally, when there are football matches, we have those who support England and those who are simply wrong. When I was at uni, I was at uni in London, and I went to King's College London. If you know anything about the history of the universities in London, which obviously no one does, because no one's as boring as I am, King's College London was established. (laughs) Thanks, Eddie. (laughs) King's College London was the Christian college. It was set up in response to UCL, University College London, which was set up by Jeremy Bentham and someone else that Ben probably studied at university. Um, And University College London was set up as an atheist university. To this day, there is no uh, chapel. The chaplaincy is kind of like stuck in a cupboard, a bit like in York Uni. But King's itself has this incredibly grand chapel inside of it because that was the Christian university. And there was this really odd rivalry that developed between these two universities. But what was most interesting when I was there is actually most of the animosity came from the sports teams when they played matches against each other. They had a chant that I didn't learn. And even if I had learned, it's not appropriate to say here. But they would really get riled up. And that was bizarre because most of them weren't Christians on either side. So they didn't get the fundamental issue that was at stake when those universities were founded they had this sense of superiority of King's is the best, UCL is the best, but they didn't really have anything to stack it up except for the, you know, the plain truth that obviously King's is the best. But this wasn't a serious rivalry. But what about when it is? Now, being a teacher, um, I come across serious rivalries every single day, life and death situations between hormonal 11-year-olds, which is just delightful. And there's lots of stories that I could tell you outside It's not appropriate to tell you here, but one of the most interesting rivalries slash conflicts was between two year 11s who were sat in a room next door to a classroom having a discussion about whether they were going to break up. Thankfully, I wasn't part of that uh, because I would still need therapy today. But what was interesting is they came to teachers. They didn't come to me because clearly I don't look trustworthy, but they came to teachers who they thought were trustworthy and said, we need to talk about this. Please, can you give us a space where we can talk? Now, that's quite interesting because this rivalry that we see between the Jews and the Canaanites at first glance doesn't appear to have a place of trust. It doesn't appear to have a place where someone can go and say, we need to talk about this. So today we're going to look at why that isn't there. And then we're going to look at actually how that place of trust has been put in and how that bridge can be Uh, that gap can be bridged because you don't bridge bridges because the bridge is already there. So for this, we need to look at what happened when Israel was first founded. So if we go to Deuteronomy 9, verses 1 to 6, that's a school. Next slide. There it is. Lovely. Thank you, Peter. Um, This was what God declared to Israel as they entered into Canaan. Hear, O Israel, You are to cross over the Jordan today, to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the sons of Anakim whom you know, and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly, as the Lord has promised you. Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you. It is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the, right, the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you, and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. So what we see in this passage particularly is firstly that the Jews are a chosen people by God. There are probably lots of verses you just picked up on there. We're going to get to those in a minute. But firstly, the Jews are a chosen people by God. They are God's special possession. They are his people. He has sanctified them. He has brought them out of the culture they are in, and he has made them holy, set apart to be near God. And then he has chosen a land where God is going to dwell, where his people will live apart from everybody else so that they can worship him. Now we don't really have this idea in our culture today. We do, however, have a weird quirk of Victorian England. Um, so I grew up in Warwick, which was right next to Royal Leamington Spa. Has anyone else grown up in a, a royal town or village? I know you did, Katie, because we also grew up near Royal Leamington Spa. Um, but this this royal moniker was given because Queen Victoria, when she did a tour of the country at some point in something, um, Every place she visited on that tour was allowed to put royal at the front of it to denote that someone special had been there, that the queen had visited and she considered that a special place to be, which is unsurprising because Lambton Spa is also great. Not as good as York. Well, I don't know. It doesn't smell of chocolate in the morning. But that is pretty good. But this this is not the situation for the Jews. It's not that God has chosen to do a tour of the world and he said, this place I particularly like So I'm going to let you call it something special, but otherwise I'm going to ignore you. God has said the Israelites are chosen. They are chosen, though, not because they are good. They were chosen because of the wickedness of the other nations. Essentially, they were chosen not because there was anything good about them. It's just everybody else who was there before were horrific. Now, to give you an idea of how horrific they were, the Canaanites, as they were called, they practiced child sacrifice. There's a few different ways that would be done, but it, often it would be the firstborn. Sometimes they would make the firstborn pass through fire to appease the local god of the land in order to bring them comfort, convenience, to make their life better, maybe for the harvest. But they would sacrifice their children, sometimes the firstborn, often others, in the hope that it would appease the god that they thought dwelled in that land so that they could have a good life. And God has called Israel to invade, and the, the one of the main reasons that God has said that the whole people need to perish is because of this great evil, that they're sacrificing their children for the sake of a comfortable life. And so God calls Israel to invade the land as judgment on their people, but he also says in verse 5, because of his promise to Abraham, because of his promise to the literal patriarch, the, the father of the whole of Israel, that he would bless Abraham, this one guy. He would make his children more numerous than the stars. So the issues that we see between the Jews and the Canaanites in Jesus' day are not people who don't get along. It is a, a literal fight of the gods. Whose God is right? Is it the Jewish God or is it the Canaanite God? And there was nowhere that this was more clear than in the temple. Great, next slide. Here we go. So there was nowhere that this was more clear in the temple. When God told the Israelites to build the temple, He told them to build it with two courts. Actually, more, but we were lazy and we couldn't be bothered to set them all out. Um, but the key distinction was between the Jewish court and the Gentile court. Gentiles being those who weren't Jews. So anybody who came to Israel or any of the Canaanites who were left over, when they if they wanted to worship God. They had to stay behind the wall. And the wall wasn't five tables put together. It was a, a massive great wall where you couldn't see what was going on in the rest. It was quite interesting, actually, as everybody walked in, seeing who sat where. Um, it's interesting everybody chose at the back with the Gentiles, and only a few people chose the Jews. Anybody sat in the Jewish court? Is anyone actually Jewish? No? Somewhere, maybe somewhere. Was your, is your mother Jewish? No. Okay, maybe you have a right to be here then, Andy. Everybody else, you should be sat over there. And to be honest, actually, you're all too close. You really, you should be through those doors at the back. We should have directed you in as you came in. Because how dare you come into the presence of a holy God and presume that you can come before him? He's chosen these people. He said these people can come in. These are the people that are allowed to worship God. Josie's particularly happy about that. But where on earth did you get the idea that you could come in and worship God? That was the kind of thought that was going around in the Jewish mind. Because the problem is, at the time of Jesus, they had forgotten what God had said in Deuteronomy 9. he would for- They'd forgotten that he said, not because you're good, you actually suck. But because... <laughs> because everybody else is so wicked. I'm going to give you this land. And actually, the real reason I'm giving you this land is because I made a promise to your great, 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 great grandfather that I would bless him and make him the father of many nations. Which is bizarre, because knowing that they were chosen by God, you would think the Jews would be the most gracious people on the earth. You'd think they would be the people who, you know, if they've got their electricity bills paid, if they paid for their 300 pound tank of petrol, they would then be generous to other people and provide them with food. They'd have them over. They would. They should be the people who are most willing to go out of the way for the Gentiles. They should be the people who would say, yes, I know that wall is there. I know that wall means you cannot worship God, but come and eat with me. Come and spend time with me. Let me help you. Is your child sick? Let me help you get to the doctor. But they weren't. They saw the wall as a reason to separate themselves and look down on the Canaanites. But the the wall also had another purpose. It was meant to show the Canaanites that they needed to come to God. It was meant to be a way of saying, as you are, you cannot worship God. As you are right now, you are not able to come into the presence of a holy God. But even when Gentiles converted, they couldn't come into here. So Andy, maybe you could be here because you've got Jewish roots, but actually because you're not a practicing Jew, because actually we can't trace your lineage back through your mother, you're not even allowed in here. You might be allowed there. Everybody else is through the doors over there. Andy alone would be sat where you are, Jason. Because even he cannot come into the presence of God because God has not called him in. And we see this in Ephesians 2 verse 11. The Jews see themselves as defined by the law. That's what that weird little phrase, the circumcision as called the you, the uncircumcision, who were called by that by the circumcision. That's the um, new Matthew translation. Um, they saw themselves as defined by circumcision. They were not just chosen. They were chosen because they were better, because they'd done this stuff. And so the wall in the temple changed for them from a reminder of God's grace to something to boast about, from a means of humility of saying, can you believe it? God's chosen me, to what on earth are you doing near me? Get away. I am God's chosen one. Now, we might sit here and go, oh, how terrible. How could they? But at least... For myself, I'm thinking I I do that as a Christian. Oh, I'm a, I'm a bit nicer. I'm a bit more put together when I meet with people. I know who I'm worshiping, but you don't. I'm the one up here with the microphone and you're sat down there on the chairs. Short, better one. But the wall was still significant, even though it would have been so distorted. It showed that physical reality, as I already talked you about. It was meant to remind the Gentiles that they didn't have those promises that the Jews could look to if they were being humble. And so the Jews and the Gentiles could never reach peace, because how can you have peace with someone if you can't even worship with them? How can we get on with someone if we can't even agree on the fundamentals of actually who's in charge? And this is why I love Ephesians chapter two, verse 13, because there has been a way made forward. Though there was this division that existed for centuries, perhaps even millennia, depending on which historian you talk to, there has been a a way made through. You are no longer consigned to sit in the tables, and you arrogant, proud people here have been humbled because even you can't come into the the greatest, most holiest place in the temple. Even you, even you, Andy, cannot walk into the holy of holies and stand in the presence of God. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been brought near. By the blood of Jesus Christ, by his sacrificial death, that wall has been abolished, and so we can walk fully into the presence of God. Not because we've done anything right, but because by his death, God can look on us now as children of the living God. And we we emphasize our choice a lot as Christians. We often ask each other, when did you decide to follow Christ? And that is good, that is right, because we have to choose. We can't amble through life and not make a choice. But it is by the blood of Jesus that we are brought near not by our choice. It is by the blood of Jesus being washed and cleansed by him that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can go closer to God than the Jews ever went. You see, Dorman won't let us in. If I try and go into, what's that fancy hotel called right by the station? The principal. I can't walk into the principal and say, oh yes, hello, good sir. Can you let me into the penthouse? I've decided I want to be here today. What's this important? I've decided I want to be there. He won't let me in. He'll probably tell me something rude, but he won't. It's the principal. He'll say, off you go, mate. Um, but if the owner of the principal walks in with his arm around me and says, don't worry, George. I think his name's George. I've paid for his room tonight. Let him up through. Anyone would let us enter. And that is what is going on here. Are you worried about your faith? Are you worried about where you stand with God? Are you worried about how this year has, get, has been? God doesn't say you are chosen or called or that you can enter into his presence because you've, because you've struggled through that, though that's important. He says you can enter in and be with me because of the blood of Jesus. Are you concerned about the future? I am. I'm starting, this is going to fly in the face of everything I've said, but I'm starting to train as a vicar in September. I currently haven't worked out how much money Katie and I are going to have. I'm worried about the future. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can look at it confidently because I have been bought by the blood of Christ. That wall that has separated me from from God has been broken apart, and so I can enter into his presence. And I might not know where um, things are going to go. I might not know where the money is going to come from, but because I am washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ, I know that I am secure because I can worship with him. Do you have anxiety or worry about what others will think when they know you're a Christian, what they will think when you say, actually, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I'm a Christian. I'm not going to agree with you on that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to support that. We might be cast out. As we were praying for the people in Ethiopia, we might be waking up each day wondering, are our children going to come back from school today? but we can have confidence because we have been washed by the blood of Christ. We can enter into his presence. We have a secure inheritance with him for all eternity. Any shame, any guilt, any unworthiness that we might have, that we might think puts us behind the wall, has been broken down and washed away by the blood of Christ. It reminds me of a, a hymn that I love, which anyone who's been on band might find quite interesting um, because I'm um, I'm not exactly the most expressive when I go to sing. I can often stand here like, Toby's laughing, yes. Yeah? I can often just stand here like this, but there is one song that you can guarantee I will have my hands up like this, and no, it's not Christ, in Christ alone, though that is a, a corker. It is uh, nothing but the blood, nothing by the blood. I do think it's good, nothing but the blood. Um, I've completely forgotten the lyrics. I had thought of these before. Dan, what are the lyrics? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Um, what can cleanse me pure as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If there is one thing that we as Christians need to hold on to, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. Because the wall has been broken down. We have gone closer than any Jew has ever gone. But not just that. We have now been reconciled with any ethnic group, every ethnic group, anybody who believes in Christ. And so the Jews and the Canaanites themselves have now actually been united. There is a way across that divide. There is a bridge over that bridge. And we can fix that bigger issue because as we see later on in Ephesians, slightly lower down, It is by Jesus' blood that he has bought peace. We can have peace now. The Jews and the Canaanites can have peace now because now they can worship with God. Because once you have been cleansed by Christ, nothing else matters. Addo and I can get along, though I am sure he has many reasons to dislike me. (laughs) (laughs) Addo and I are united in Christ because we have cleansed by the blood of Jesus together. And so we can stand and worship together. So now you're going to have to stand up because we've got something to do. The blood, the wall in the temple has been broken down and it has actually been broken down forever, mainly because the Romans destroyed the temple. But there is something that we need to do today. And currently, all you Gentiles, there is a wall in front of you. Um, now, my thought for this was I could go get, you know, lamb's blood from a butcher, but I was told that's not particularly sanitary and we could have sprinkled it on the wall. And then, But that was a no. So push the tables aside. Push the tables aside. And then you Jews at the front here, move your table, move your chairs out of the way. And then all of you Gentiles at the back come forwards because we have been cleansed and washed by the blood of Christ. There is great animosity out in the world, but not in God's church, because together we can stand and worship together. So why don't we do that? I should have queued you up like five minutes ago. But would you come and lead us in worship, Dan? Now, the other thing, um, sometimes when people worship, not me because I'm, you know, like a stick in the mud. But some people really like to express that worship, knowing that we are cleansed by the blood of Christ, knowing that we have brought closer than any Jew ever has been. Some people like to express that physically. Maybe it's kneeling. Maybe it's holding your hands up. Maybe for me, I might, you know, twitch a little bit. Um, But if you would like to express your joy in worship that we have been brought near by the blood of Christ, that the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down and that we are reconciled to each other and to God, please do do that. Otherwise, I know they're not ready yet. That's okay. We'll just stare at them awkwardly. I could do that, couldn't I? (laughs) Father God, thank you that you have broken down the wall of hostility between us. Thank you that though we are unworthy, though we are wicked, though we cannot enter into your presence, by the blood of Jesus Christ you have broken down that wall. By the blood of Jesus we can enter in with confidence, we can approach your throne of grace boldly, knowing that you hear our petitions, knowing that we are welcomed in Christ. And thank you Lord that you have healed the division between Jew and Gentile, that we might worship together. Please be with us now as we worship that we might see you and rejoice in your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.